Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This distinct blue-chip discussion is for all of Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely unpack the details and expose the hidden facts of the initiatives being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates who are running for office. We also discuss the developments and the milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the Pravda propaganda fake news media outlets. Today, I want to start the show off. Well, first off, I want to comment and thank everybody for tuning into our show. Uh, we have turned into the oasis of truth here in Southeast Pennsylvania. And uh, I think it's because people recognize us as the beacon of all truth seekers. And they all turn to us for an explanation to the unexplainable in times of political upheaval and turmoil. We do unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch. So thanks for being here. Today, we're going to be jumping into something. Uh, we have uh, Kurt Smith, who is a Clinton County Republican Committee chairman. He's also the first guy that well, first guy he ever voted for was Ronald Reagan. So he's a true blue rock rib conservative. And he's on the show with us today. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the gambling that uh, some lawmakers in Harrisburg want to uh, legalize gambling. And uh, we want to talk about the problems of gambling and why we don't want to do that. And uh, going forward, I think the problems there they are and, and why they want to do it. And we're going to have all that unpacked discussion right here. Kurt, welcome to The Point. Well, thanks for having me. If I could correct you just a smidge, I'm a true red, not a true blue. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. There you go. All righty. Well, thanks for that correction. I stand corrected. Well, uh, that, noise, that, that noise you heard in the background was not thunder. It was me turning the other cheek. <laughs> in Christian love, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Hey, uh, Kurt, let's talk a little bit about that bill that uh, I guess some lawmakers are looking to do. Why don't, you, why don't you talk to our listeners about it? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I got to give all credit to Spotlight. Uh, they're the ones who did quite a bit of research, and I'm just the guy with the mouth or trying to get a mouth, if you will. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really, it's uh, a bill pending, uh, not even a bill number. It was just to be brought and voted on two days ago. It's about putting these video gaming uh, terminals in, uh, you know, almost uh, every outside foyer, bars, restaurants, virtually everywhere. And, uh, of course, we want to make it really, really simple to gamble away your paycheck, gamble away your rent money, gamble away your kids' lunch money, uh, etc. And it's all under the guise of we need more revenue. Well, if we're going to continue to spend like we're spending, I guess you could say we do need more revenue. Well, we, we do, but I think, I think you and I have had this conversation. My answer to more revenue is more jobs and more economy and uh, more businesses, and uh, a climate in Pennsylvania that's more business-friendly, lower regulations, lower taxes, more business, and more workers bring more business, a better education system. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do in Pennsylvania to perk up our our, our economy, and, and obviously education is a big deal. I think we're in the, uh, right now, uh, nationwide, we're like 30th or something like that, nationwide on reading and math proficiency skills, which is kind of like in the middle. And I think the biggest problem we have is as a nation, we, we're absolutely abysmal on education. We used to be the best on planet Earth back when Kurt and I were kids back in the 70s, and uh, we were the best. We were the best. And uh, then what happened is we had some lifelong politicians 
along with the public unions, get in place. And uh, we actually watched quid pro quo and a real quid pro quo where they actually got in there. See, with the problem with the public unions, and I don't want to divert too much from our conversation, but I do want to help our listeners understand the issues with education because it all dovetails into poverty, which dovetails into why we don't want gambling. But what it comes back to is the problem with education and how this is, is that you have middle class teachers and, and administrators that are going to the politicians for support on really good, juicy, meaty contracts and great pension packages. And then, of course, those politicians turn to those union members and the power of their organization for both financial and physical support for, uh, for re-election. So that is the quintessential quid pro quo. I mean, there is no other way around it. Public unions are a detriment. And I think that the teachers, uh, the, the, the public unions have ruined education in this country, not just Pennsylvania, but in this country. Uh, but in, in Pennsylvania, it's, it's, it's compounded. The public unions are compounded because we have 500 school districts. All right. And we also have one of the most expensive state governments anywhere in the country. So, yes, we have a budget shortfall everywhere in the state. We are watching this. And as Kurt and I were chatting about this earlier uh, before the show and, you know, yesterday we were talking about it. But basically, the bottom line is we see this as a problem across the state and politicians are looking to put a Band-Aid on it by thinking legalizing gambling is going to bring in that extra revenue. Uh, Kurt, I mean, how did that work with the lottery? Well, I have yet to get any uh, break on my taxes. And, uh, you know, I also was implying, to be honest with you, that we, uh, you know, we, some would say we have a revenue problem and, ooh, ah, you know, at 40% of the take, uh, the house always wins, may I remind you. Well, this is a, uh, this is a revenue source. This is a source to destroy society. This is a source to destroy mankind as we knew it, know it, because what are you going to do when you're done, uh, gambling away your kids' money or your car payment, etc. You don't have, or, or you, you know, when you gamble away uh, borrowed money from a friend or a family member and you can't pay it back. So we, I think we have a spending problem. We don't have a revenue problem. But the problem is, if on the right side of the aisle, Clay screams out for less government, less government, how you know, when you go and you get one vote per person, remember how that the way it used to be, uh, how are you going to be able to uh, you know, impact how are you going to be able to respond to the let me judge you by how much bacon you bring home let me reward you uh i i don't i want my uh, I want my uh, tea and crumpets, my government-supplied tea and crumpets, every Thursday at ten o'clock because I have earned it. And so we we have a we have a handout mentality, and we should have had a hand up mentality, and and that's part of our problem. Boy, that was that was very well put. And I I agree with you. I I, I just think as a society, but we have Republicans that like to play footsie with with big government Democrats, and and they do. I mean, we see it and. I mean, I, I, in, in all honesty, we've got people that would like to bring it in because they see it as, in, uh, like you said, it's it's a revenue stream. I mean, look, the bottom line is, uh, it, it like you said, it's destructive to the family. It's destruct. It's like legalizing marijuana. Same difference. You know, I can remember talking to one of my Democrat uh, uh, colleagues and I should say one of my Democrat counterparts in the Berks County Republican. I should say the Berks County Democrat Committee. I was chatting with him one time about legalizing marijuana. We're working the polls, and he was for it, and I'm, obviously I'm against it. And I said, so let me ask you, I said, do you tell me how you think a stone Pennsylvania 
is better for Pennsylvania's workforce and economy. And he says, well, it brings in all this extra money. I says, let me ask you again, because I don't think you answered. You gave me an answer to a question I didn't ask. You tell me again how a stone Pennsylvania is better for this economy. You see, it's the same thing with, with gambling. How is a, a, a society, I mean, who are the people that gamble? They're the people that, they're the poorest of the people in our society. Those are the ones that have the biggest problem gambling. Am I right, Kurt? They are the under-informed uh, citizen. And the House always wins. And so putting money in and getting more money out, I mean, that's like perpetual motion. That doesn't exist, say, for the sun. And even the sun is dying. So, no, it does not make sense. It's the, it's the low, low informed. And they think, well, maybe perhaps this time it, it, it's an addict. It's an addiction. Uh, and it's like, uh, uh, pot smoking. Uh, thank you, government, uh, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman on his dope smoking tour. Uh, that's going to fix a lot. Uh, uh, and oh, by the way, that dope smoking tour was paid for by the taxpayers' money as they went around with state police, entourage, and coverage. Uh, they went to college uh, colleges. Well, why don't we take that exact same uh, uh, survey outside of churches? Is dope uh, It's really going to fix? How is a stoned America going to work? A very, very good point that you just made. Well, I would tell you, um, our lieutenant governor, I used to, I, we refer him to here on our show here on The Point, we refer him to our Timothy Leary governor, because uh, that's who he is. He's like the Timothy Leary of government. I don't know how we could possibly have elected this guy, who's a self-professed socialist, pot-smoking hippie. I, I don't know how else, I mean, we elected this guy. As a state, I'm always amazed because of the back, the lack of information, the media malpractice that comes out of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh primarily, uh, the media malpractice that happens in these big markets in Pennsylvania, allow these socialist pot-smoking hippies, Timothy Leary likes, to sneak under the radar and get elected as, doing, as, as capable, competent, middle-stream, mainstream people, and they're not, as you He's talked a, about he, with his tour. He, he's a heartbeat away from running. If Pennsylvania was a nation, we'd be in the top G20. He's a heartbeat away from running uh, the greatest, you know, in, in the top 20 nations if we were a nation. So it's a very, very scary thing. I think there is... I think there is to stay on the union bashing just for a second. I think there's intimidation. You vote the way I tell you to keep your gravy train going. Well, what about everyone's gravy train? Uh, and so there's my point. Let's not just ruin it for the under-informed citizen. Let's say, you know what? If we're going to continue to spend at this pace, then let's just do across the board tax increase on everybody. Oh, but wait a minute. We're going to have buildings porn being pulled down, not just statues being pulled down, but we're going to have buildings. What do you mean you're taking me from 3.1 to 5.1? Well, you know what? We like the candy, so someone's got to be the adult in the room. The candy's got to come from somewhere. I say, then let's just tax everybody because you know what? It's going to be a whole lot easier to recover from everybody under the burden when they finally wake up and start voting people out uh, versus uh, just wrecking it for a few and making them into have-nots, and they're going to try to become haves because they had it and they lost it, and that is a shame. It's an addiction. Well, let me ask you, what now there's countries out there, we know there's states as well that have legalized gambling, but, uh, but there's countries out there that have had this problem. What are some examples that you can share with our listeners, that things that you know about, some of the citizens and the struggles these citizens have in countries that have legalized gambling? And some of the un, the ghastly sights that are happening 
to these to these neighborhoods, but to these families because of legalized gambling. Well, I know of uh, Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, that uh, they actually have blankets for the kids to sleep. So the parents are in there gambling away everything. And if you lose it all, just basically go out to, in the parking lot and blow your brains out. Uh, because over there, they understand accountability and responsibility, even though they did something irresponsible. There's no win in this. Again, let's man up. Let's get our big boy pants and let's just do across the board tax if we're going to continue to spend ourselves into receivership uh, or we have to cut back on benefits and everybody wants their government supplied tea and crumpets Thursday 10 o'clock I've earned it I deserve it give me mine well what's really compelling on this and you and I were chatting about this you know I, I, I think what's really compelling is we have one of the most expensive state governments in the in the country okay and I want our listeners to understand that uh, if you look at, and I, I mean that, I mean, you got states that are much larger than Pennsylvania that spend less in their government, believe it or not, than we do. Uh, and of course, the cost of education. Uh, it's unbelievable what we spend in education in the state. And we have liberals that want us to put more money in education, give us more money in education, spend more. Well, they, they and, and you know, I was on a school board. I'm telling you, the liberals on the school board, they say it like it's a mantra. They say, we need to better fund the teachers. We need to better fund education. We need to better fund. Well, what they're meaning is we need to better fund the, the retirable pensions. So we need to bake the pensions better. We need to have better contracts. We need to pay more money. And we need to increase our top end of the cost. It's not about academics. What's amazing to me is that when you listen to the, the public union go on about their about their contracts it's not it's never about education it's always about them and their money and whenever the conversation goes the only people talking about real education reform real education reform are republicans we're the only ones because real education reform opens up education to the people in the poor neighborhoods they're going to have a choice and with a choice They'll choose a better education. It'll force the public schools that are in these bad districts to have to kind of change up their, their their layout a little bit. You're going to find fewer schools, failing schools, more people investing in the, in the stronger schools. But what's more important than anything else is academically our kids will get better because the bottom line is we have to do the school choice and we have to do it with no common core. We went, like I said, from top five on planet Earth back when Kurt and I were in school to where we are today, like 35th on the planet in reading and math proficiencies. It's absolutely abysmal. And as a result of this, we have we have the poverty in the inner cities that are perpetuating more and more poverty. And these are the people that turn to gambling because they, they're wanting the big ticket out. I mean, uh, Kurt, am I right? Well, yeah, they're they're looking for the they're looking for the bluer sky. And your point also is we're never talking about can Johnny read, write, and do things better. We're just we're we're talking about everything but Johnny getting smarter. Now, I want to give the teachers a super big break. You know what? 
when we were kids, you misbehaved, you got paddled, but God forbid we would want to bend Johnny's will, uh, let him have with his paddle and let him have what he wants. And guess what? The bunch of those Johnnies are now grown up and some of them wear suits behind jails because this is what it looks like when Johnny never gets corrected. The foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive that far from him, but we don't want to do that. We don't want to bend. We just want to let Johnny feel good about himself. Uh, it is sad. And your other point, by the way, is we are top G20, uh, but we'll probably spend the probably, I think, we're the second most expensive state legislation. And I'm not against state legislators, but what I am against is I'm sick and tired of us running after government. Government should be running after us. If you have plans, you take it to labor industry. You know, you have those plans for three days, and they're approved if you don't say anything. Come on, that's what happens in private industry. We don't have the chance to just sit around and twiddle. I know a convenience store, uh, they were like six, seven months waiting to get access, ingress and egress approved, and they went out to meet with the regional district, and the person was him hauling around, and finally our township supervisor said, the store is opening up tomorrow. You stamp the plans or forget about it. And, you know, it's time that government, we brought government back to serving us, not us serving government. Remember when government used to, well, you didn't pay well, but you have good benefits. Well, cheer up. You know how you pay well and you have good benefits now. And meanwhile, uh, you know, here we are trying to make ends meet and trying to figure out how to balance the budget. Whoops, that's, uh, that's an old-fashioned word, how to pay our bills. And, and certainly being less out of pocket because because there's gambling terminals and a down and outer is going to somehow win. The house is against uh, is against you. You're not going to win. Well, the, the, you're, the house is always stacked against you. Look, but the real the real tragedy, and, and this is where I want to go with this, because truly the people that suffer from legalized gambling are the poorest of people. They're the uneducated. That's the real crux of it. I mean, look, everybody suffers. I mean, you've got you've got people that are millionaires that blow millions of dollars in gambling. Okay, they're suffering too. But I mean, but my point is, with the poor people, the people that are struggling in, in their professions. Look, what what happens when you don't teach math and you don't teach proficient reading? So when a child grab, graduates high school without proficient reading, without proficient math skills, that child is really unable to compete effectively in a very challenging competitive world and they no job struggle. they struggle with that so when they, they're not problem solvers anymore curtsy math makes problem solvers i mean look i was never a great in math it was never like a, a mathematician type but i always was able to figure it out and you got through it i didn't like it but i just got through it and i made it i, I did well with it but that's it teaches you the ability to make the cognitive connections within the brain to solve problems also to accept the challenge of a problem and to rise to the challenge. Math teaches that. And as far as reading proficiently, people that read proficiently will never be duped by a government who's trying to convince the people to see something that isn't there. And we see that we see that today in society. I mean, they, they, I mean, when, when 1984 in the movie 1984, when the, when the guy was arrested and sent to the Ministry of Love for reconditioning, 
he was holding up the guy, uh, the, the guy doing the reconditioning said, how many fingers do you see? And he's holding up four fingers. And every time the, the captive said four fingers, he got an electric shock. And he did that until he admitted to seeing something that wasn't there. What happens with people who don't read proficiently is they don't have the confidence in themselves because they know they can't read well and they don't have the confidence to get into into basically into dealing with people through through written communications and whatnot. It minimizes and it limits these people to a prison, if you will, of low paying jobs. And again, the, the, the lack of an education is part of the problem, which creates the need for because of course it because when you have lower experienced workforce a lower extra, uh, lower educated workforce you then don't have the tax money you need and because you need more tax money you then are looking for avenues as a politician to sustain your existence as a politician as well as to sustain the bureaucratic mess that we're uh, you know, the, the bureaucracy that you're part of Mr. Politician this is the way I see it. I mean, I, I'm agree with you, Kurt. I think we need to be looking to cut government out, not looking to sustain it, because you never really quite do sustain it, do we? It's getting bigger and bigger. More services providing. The government is doing uh, more. Uh, some people believe the, the government is God. A private industry will always be in competition with the government because the government can give the man a fish – Whereas private industry teaches the man to fish for himself. Hey, hey, you and I are landlords. We're residential landlords. It's going to take us two to three months to get the no pays out. But if you and I are commercial landlords, the second of the month, we can lock the door shut. We are very, very, very business unfriendly. And yet business, private sector jobs is what brings in the taxpayers. And to your point, we have red tape red tape, red tape. The average guy doesn't know how much bureaucracy. You get letters in the mail. They're not noun, verb, prepositional phrases. Like, you have to spend, you have to read the thing three times to figure out what is this person saying. And of course, they wanted it yesterday. It's we are running after the government. The government should be running after us. No, there's no question about it. And I think, like you said, we need better solutions from our politicians, from our elected lawmakers. And I think we need less activists. I think part of the problem is we have too many activists that are elected. I mean, it's not a party thing. This is not a Democrat-Republican thing. This is an activist versus a lawmaker. Activists are selective lawbreakers. That's who they are. An activist is someone who will decide to not enforce the laws or even break the laws that they don't like. And then they'll, then they'll turn to the activist judges to support them in this. Uh, we have to, way too much of that. And as a country, we've been electing bad politicians because the media has been, has been deliberately committing malpractice and leaving the very relevant information out of all of this. And we see this now with uh, with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, uh, they're cloistering Biden off. They don't want Biden talking to anybody. And whenever Biden does talk, everyone's cringing. Uh, you know, the they're, they're, they're fake polling. What's funny, I heard somebody say, well, why does Biden show so well, Kurt? I mean, they said, why does Biden show so well in the polling? Why is he? Why is approvals high? And I answered that person by saying, well, why are first ladies always so well in polling? Why are queens and princesses and princes and kings? Why are these? Why are why is nobility always look well in polling and public polling? Why? Because these people are not in the public eye creating public policy or talking about public policy. They're talking about a nice sunny day and a picnic 
or a fundraising celebration they had or a fundraising event or helping people. It's always about it's always about the feel good conversations. And they're just bringing up all of that. Well, that's what Joe Biden is. Cloistering him off has basically made it so that people see him okay. But when they start really seeing him for what he really is, the incompetent, bumbling nitwit that he is, I mean, bottom line is they're going to be going, oh, my goodness, this guy wants to run the country. I mean, Kurt, what do you see in Joe Biden that the Democrats might like? And what do you see in Joe Biden that we're very happy about as Republicans? (laughs) Well, yeah, you have to ask yourself who's going to be the man behind the curtain. Who's going to be the real uh, wizard uh, should Joe Biden get elected to president? Because obviously, I'd like to introduce you to my sister, and it's his wife. Now, everybody makes Freudian slips, but every time you open your mouth continually, uh, he's a socialism. And is there a push, you know, to get a guy who can be controlled? Is there a veep that's going to be the real segue into even? farther left than what we're going now. It doesn't work. Just just give me a country where socialism has worked. Give me a country where that's still working today. you got to remember, Clay, they're still sneaking into our country. If we have the best country in the world, thank God. But, you know, if they want to leave, just take an airplane ticket, a bus ticket, take a taxi, whatever you do. We have the best country, and people want to copy what we have, but we have to look into our money to see in God we trust, and that is the standard that's gotten away when we got prayer out of school. Well, and you know, it's it's funny, oh, funny, that's not funny, haha. It's not funny that we're happy about it. It's funny, it's strange, okay? But it's very uh, pointed that the church was extremely silent when they took the Bible out of the schools. And I think that the church was doubly silent there, but it was also, they were assuredly made kept silent because the government passed the Johnson Amendment which made it so that pastors felt threatened if they decided to speak politics from the pulpit to try to rally the congregations to get out there and vote against these politicians who agreed to taking the prayer out of schools and taking the the Bible out of schools. Look, the bottom line is we look right now as a society, Joe Biden, look, when when you really want to, you want to understand who's stronger and who's going to win this election. I mean, Kurt and I see this every day. I mean, Kurt and I live and breathe this stuff, folks. I mean, just so just so we're all clear on this, all right? We live and breathe. This is oxygen to us, okay? But it's also oxygen to a lot of people that are listening to this today. But I want us to understand. We are, I want to get us on the same page here. What you're seeing right now is you're seeing the fake polls come out there. Now, of course, I say they're fake because they show Biden up by seven or nine points. And obviously, when that's the case, you got to you got to look into the sampling and you see the sampling when you see that they're they're polling Republicans under thirty percent and they're pulling everybody else to the 70% line, well, then you're going to get a sampling that's going to show Joe Biden looking better than he should. It's just the way it is. Uh, You know, for instance, even the Fox News poll that came out, you realize they're polling. They don't poll with political party affiliation. They poll with different demographic groups, believe it or not. It's just some of the crazy polling they do. I, I don't understand it. I'm not a polling expert, but I understand basic math. And I understand what trends and facts look like. For instance, in Pennsylvania, we had over 162,000 new registered Republicans in the last four years. And the Democrats had about 25,000 new registered Democrats in the last four years. That tells me that we have a swaying for the Republican Party. We have an energy for the Republican Party and for Donald Trump. Now, that's 
facts on the ground, folks. When when we see a rally and people are sleeping on the ground, not 10 or 20, but hundreds and thousands are sleeping on the ground two, three days before a Trump rally, okay, sleeping on the ground to be there and see the man, our president, Donald Trump. But you see, Joe Biden can't get, he can't fill a phone booth, okay, with plenty of notice. He, as a matter of fact, I mean, in the last rally, and I want to talk a little bit about the rally, Kurt, okay? What I think is ironic about the rally is we've heard everybody on the news talk about how much of a disappointment it was. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know what world they live in, Kurt, okay? Mr. Smith, I don't know. When you can have seven or 8,000 people show up at a rally and people call that a failure. I, I don't understand what world they parachuted into and they think they're in. I, where the, where seven almost eight million people could be watching you on a on a particular Fox News channel, I'm watching that rally from stem to stern, from beginning to end, or I have mil- multiple millions more streaming it in on the internet. I mean, how could anybody view that as a failure? Now, I could see people looking at the recent Obama Biden fundraising attempt that was an online attempt. That drew a little over 100,000 people. I could see people questioning that on a national level as a failure. How about you, Kurt? Um, it's a it's a shame that that they if your product works by itself, then why do you need to subsidize it? If your product works, why do you have to get illegal voters? Why do you have to get uh, all everybody working to support it? Are you not selling? hollow Easter rabbits rather than solid milk chocolate. Uh, they hate our president. Our president loves America. Uh, it's important to work hard. The best uh, security is a good job, uh, not depending upon somebody else uh, sending it to you. So you have to have the job skills as we talked about before. Uh, but it's, 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 it's too bad that you need free education, free health care, free illegal immigrants to vote for you because by itself, their product does not work without subsidy. No. And I, I think what's really interesting, though, but but they're faking these polls because what they're trying to do, I believe, is kind of generate a horse race. And I think they're trying to put the the image of a horse race. And this is what I think is important. I mean, Hillary Clinton believed that the manufacturing of a horse race image, if you will, by the media, in other words, the fake polls that she was looking at were real. She believed it. She thought she was going to win and she decided to, to, to basically hold the ball in the fourth quarter and not take any chances because not do anything because she thought she was going to win in football analogy. Look, I think Biden right now, I think he knows he's behind. I think Biden knows that he is a horse in a horse race with a heart condition. He also knows he's going to be ridden as a horse. He's going to be ridden by a jockey that weighs about 400 pounds. <laughs> he has no chance of winning this horse race because there is no horse race. Donald Trump is going to beat him soundly. And I think the evidence of that is the the newly registered voter numbers, not just in Pennsylvania, but the other battleground states where Trump and the Republicans are gaining ground. And they literally have higher numbers and newly registered voters than do the Democrats. I think that's a very telling point. I think there's more energy behind Donald Trump. There's more excitement behind Donald Trump. And that's what brings people to the polls. Uh, you know, Michael, Michael Moore made a comment in one of his I don't know. He made a comment. I'm not a big Michael Moore fan. He, he hates Trump more than anybody I know or have heard of. And he made a comment telling the Democrats, you better cool your jets, folks, because if you think 
that Donald Trump is going to lose this election, you're out of your mind. He says, because he says people are sleeping on the ground to see this man. You don't see anybody falling over like that to see Joe Biden. There's no real love for Biden like there is love for Trump. I think what's amazing, though, is that Michael Moore misses it. It's not Donald Trump so much they love. It's the America first they love. It's what Donald Trump represents. He has made America first, taken it from a campaign slogan to a way of life, Kurt. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. He he genuinely loves America. Uh, yes, I absolutely do agree. I mean, I, I, I'm just blown away by this. And, you know, the Democrats themselves, I think, but the prop to, but the prop to propaganda media malpractice, I think the thing with the polling, I think, and I think the way they handled Donald Trump's rally was just so telling when they could look at a rally that had almost 8,000 people under the roof. Okay. And almost 8 million, well, 8.2 million actually at 9 PM on Fox news that were viewing this on Fox. And then, of course, the multiple millions that were streaming this online, when they can look at that and call that a failure, I don't know what they're comparing it to. I mean, they might be comparing it to like maybe the World's Fair or maybe they're comparing it to something else. I I don't know. I mean, you know, to me, it comes back to I mean, they're making comparisons to something that's not even a real a real comparison. I mean, I don't know, Super Bowl game or something. I don't know. To me, what boils down to is. They know that Trump's going to win, and they're they just wanted to gloat that the that the enemies of of America, okay, that were trying to 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 thwart the turnout, were successful in keeping the the, the only eight thousand people there. No, they didn't have nineteen thousand because we had people online that bought tickets that took up ticket sales so that others couldn't get them. All right, or or, or but worse yet, worse than that. They actually had people in the news that were out there every day for almost 10 days declaring that the COVID outbreak over there was going to be so horrible. And so they tried to scare the people into trust not showing up. Or, or even worse than that, there was even reports that came out because the, the mayor instituted a curfew at the last minute to get people off the sidewalks. And that was an attempt to thwart in his in his eyes, it was an attempt to thwart uh, the the anarchist groups that were threatening to drop in on Tulsa like Batman. So, I mean, I, I to me, it comes down to I think they worked overtime. OK. And yet Trump still had a lot of viewers, a lot of people. And I mean, he actually did. He actually did better than a Monday night football game on ABC or now ESPN. So. I mean, I think that's very compelling. I want our listeners to understand that Trump is in the driver's seat and the left is unhinged. And I mean, what's I mean, now, now, did you want to comment a little bit on what's going on in Seattle, Kurt? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I did want to just add, you know, if Silent America wakes up and I think if there's ever been a revelation of the swamp, uh, I think that America quietly can see that. And when you're trying to scare people away with COVID and get them off the streets and all that attempt, I think America is waking up to see the schemes and the wiles. And although, you, you know, you, everybody knows you don't answer a phone, it's a poll, uh, it's a telemarketer. Uh, you know, I think America is awakening and I do believe that President Trump will be sizably reelected and there 
they're not going to say it. This is not Walt Disney. Oh, uh, uh, you're right. You caught me. I'm the bad guy. I'm sorry. And, and everything goes away. They're going to continue to go after this and after and after. And that's where our determination, we can't be moved. We can't believe a false lie. Uh, we know the man. We know the fruits of the man. We know he loves America. We're going to, we need to stay the course the entire way. Uh, and we also have to hope that, you know, people realize if they have to cheat at the polls, if they have to, tr- you know, if they have to cook the books, uh, and stack the numbers, something's wrong with their product. The, you know, the wind is certainly against our president, and yet he continues to soar and sail. That's because he's God touched. Look, I, I refer to him as our Gideon with a sword. I, I also refer to him as our Samson. You know, God used Samson to rescue Israel in the nick of time. And if he can use Samson, he can use Donald Trump to rescue this country in the nick of time. Look, you look at the book of Judges and all the different people and judges that God used to rescue Israel. They all come from a whole variety of life, walks of life. And I think what's really interesting is, uh, you know, I believe that that Donald Trump gets energy from cheeseburgers and Diet Cokes that you and I would never get. Okay, I don't (laughs) think there's no question about it. The man is like uh, on on. He's like he's got a nuclear power plant on his back. The man, I mean, I mean, he looks twenty years younger now than he did when he ran four years ago. How is that possible, Kurt? I do believe that that's the anointing of God. I do believe that that is the answers to prayers of the saints. And I pray that he gets restful rest and that when he sleeps, one hour is equivalent to three hours. He does love America. He is Gideon. Uh, God put him here. God, thank God, is not done with America. We're a great nation. World War One, World War Two, Korean War, uh, Vietnam, Grenada. Kuwait, Iran, we were, we rode the white horse, wore the white hat. We're, we're a good, we were a great Judeo na- uh, Christian nation, and, and we've got to get back to that standard. And, and thank God for President Trump. No, I, I hear you. Well, what's going on in Seattle? I think what's interesting in all, on all of that is we have that police free anarchist zone called CHOP. Okay. It's the occupied protesters. And, and there were fatal shootings over there now, and they've got people being shot. I guess there was several being shot now. The anarchists prevented the police from coming in to investigate and to rescue the guy that was shot. So the, the, the kid that was shot was a 19-year-old kid, just graduated high school. He goes down there to protest. Something happened. He got shot, and they would not let the police in there to get the kid out. So however the kid got to the hospital, I don't know what happened. I Maybe somebody threw him in a car, however. But whatever the case was, he was not stabilized soon enough. And as a result, when he got to the hospital, he perished and died within about 10 or 15 minutes after getting to the hospital. Now, if I was, and I, I believe now because the mayor is already changing her tune, I believe that they, uh, they, they understand what I'm telling everyone here is that they know they could be legally obligated and bound and possibly held responsible for the fact that this kid died because the city, the, the anarchists that they're calling patriots, the anarchists that, that the mayor of Seattle, the Democrat mayor of Seattle and the Democrat governor of, of, of Washington, the mayor, the, the mayor and the governor are calling these anarchists patriots. All right. This is what they're doing. So they're supporting the patriotism that they call patriotism in Seattle. And they're supporting the summer love and love fest 
in Seattle with the food fair trucks and taco stands and whatever. This kid gets shot. And here come the police and the rescue scout squads to get this kid out. They go to get him, but they won't let the police in. They won't let the rescue attempts in there to get the child out. And obviously the kid died. So I think there's going to be there's going to be prices to pay legal consequences for these people when they check their cell phones and they find out, for instance, that Governor Inslee was possibly having conversations with these anarchist leaders or possibly the mayor of Seattle. She was having conversations with these anarchist leaders. Quite possibly, they may find out that the timing of some of these calls and conversations with these anarchist leaders may have been around, maybe, possibly, if they find if they find out that any of these conversations took place while this during the time period of this kid getting shot, they could certainly have a big price to pay. But whatever the case is, when the Justice Department unpacks all of this, I'm sure it will deliver a knockout blow to this governor, this Democrat governor, and this Democrat mayor, because quite frankly, they are on the wrong side of history here and abysmal failures to the public. And I think the public sees him. And I think what's really hurting is that Barack Hussein Obama even noted this in his fundraiser with Joe Biden that nobody viewed, 100,000 people, I think, on, on a nationwide online attempt. Uh, th- he made the comment that there might be some blowback from some of this uh, that's going on in this country because he understands they don't have control of these anarchists. They don't have control, Kurt. What do you think on that? Well, welcome to a gun-free zone. This is what you get with a gun-free zone. Katrina, when hit New Orleans, they were they were gun-free. Chicago's gun-free. Number one, number one murder. Um, and and it's the absolute depravity of man. You know, you can't get order out of chaos. And the devil's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does it to us, you and me, individually. And he tries to does it do it to society. And that's why he hates America. That's why he hates President Trump. Um, welcome to a gun-free zone. That's exactly what you get when people can't protect themselves. That's why guns are such a lightning rod is because they give people uh, – I'd much rather trust in a gun than, than a 911 call because the gun's right there to, to protect me. Um, welcome to gun-free zones is what I think. Well, you know, 911 calls in Seattle went from three minutes to 20 minutes. I mean, that, that's what happens when you surrender a police precinct to anarchists under the direction of, of course, the mayor or someone gave direction. Of course, that'll come out, I'm sure, in the unpacking of their phone messages and text messages and emails. And I'm sure they're going to get copies of because people are going to get information on these public politicians and their public communications, which are all owned by the public. And they're going to find out exactly who they've been talking to. But make no mistake about it. They're, they're talking now about budget cuts. I just heard the mayor of Seattle. She says, we're going to cut $20 million off the police. Now, of course, they're cutting everything. All these cities are cutting everything because they don't have any money left. And the economies have been on shutdown for, for well, for months. I mean, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, we've been on lockdown now, I guess, for about 15, 17 weeks. I mean, but everybody else has been on this, too. Seattle's, a, a you know, it's just boarded up buildings anymore. Nobody's there. The businesses are gradually coming back but all this tax money's gone and this kind of like amplifies the need uh for 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 their need to make cuts and so she's threatening to cut 20 million dollars from police 
Well, what you have to realize, I want our listeners to understand again, we're going to unpack this with a punch. And you're not hearing this on the Pravda Propaganda Networks because, of course, they don't want this out there. But when they make cuts to police departments, they're cutting the training. They're cutting the training. So here we are wanting more training, and they're wanting to cut it because that's that's their answer. Look, we cut funding to the police department when, in essence, they're cutting training. And I think what's really compelling, going back to the difference, the uptick in all these cities. You're right, Kurt. Chicago. I mean, there, there you've got dozens that are being killed every weekend in Chicago. Every weekend's a new weekend of, of, of 15 or 20 more deaths and multiple shootings, hundreds of shootings and, and whatnot, and, and tens of thousands of, of 911 calls just in Chicago. I mean, Memorial, I think it was May 31st. I think it was May 31st. They had 65,000 plus 911 calls, three times the number of 911 calls in the city of Chicago than they normally have. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, what's going on in these cities right now when you've got people decrying to defund the police and bring in more social workers? We need we need more social workers in the city and less police. Kurt, I mean, is this connecting? Is this message connecting with the middle class? And is this message hurting Joe Biden, Kurt? If they drill down and listen to it, don't forget that government creates the crisis so they can fly in with their Superman cape and solve the crisis. I don't think it takes a village to raise uh, a family. And government lets the crisis go so they can fly in, look at us, we're your provider, come get your fish from us, and we don't see that there's a string attached to that fish. And it just gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And soon, it'll be a brown suit for everyone and everyone in a brown suit. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I just think it's amazing. And I think what's really what's really compelling on all of this is you're watching these cities that are they're crying to defund the police and close the police and bring in more social workers. I mean, the mayor of Oakland, here's another beauty, another Democrat beauty in Oakland. She makes a comment. I mean, she wants to she wants to bring in more social worker teams and everything else and basically revamp and restructure their police force so they have more societal helpers than they have. I, I don't know what I, I I don't know. They don't even know what this is supposed to look like. What's really amazing to me, and this is this is amazing. I talked about this last week. They're threatening to defund the police, okay, without an idea of what the new force will look like. They're threatening and they're looking to defund the police and replace it with something they have no idea at all what it even looks like. They don't even have a back-of-the-napkin description of what this new peace force will look like. And yet they're wanting to defund the police, get rid of the police, and they want to replace it. I mean, I, I don't know. They're simply placating politically. I mean, these these are people that are totally out of control, and they're forgetting the concern of America. They're forgetting the concern of America with rampant crime. Look, people want law and order. I think what's really distinct and compelling on all of this is Joe Biden is unbelievably silent on all of this. Because I'll tell you, who's steering who? They, They have the tail wagging the dog. The Marxists are wagging the Democrat dog. The, the, the tail that's wagging the Democrat dog. I mean, Kurt, 
The Marxists are in control. Joe Biden, I mean, like you made a comment, I mean, the guy that forgets that his wife is not his sister, okay? I mean, he can't, confuses his wife and his sister in a in a Super Tuesday speech. I remember he made the comment. He says, my wife over here and his sister, you know, I'm your sister. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty distinct, folks. But no, that didn't make the newspapers. That did not make the news reels either. But it happened because it was live. We saw it. I saw it. Kurt saw it. We saw it. Now, if you dig through the Internet, you might find it. But they do have a pretty good way of scrubbing this stuff. But Joe Biden is is not being challenged with questions on this very much, is he, Kurt? Well, he he's only ever being softballed. Uh, it's only ever line light. Uh, uh, you know, a tr- uh, a lie goes around the world before truth has time to put its boots on, and that's the problem under uh, President Obama's administration. No, no sooner did you get one thing tacked down than the other end of the board popped up, and you went over here and you tried to tack this down, and something else over here popped up, and and all the allegations uh, fiddled in Benghazi, all that stuff. It's all true, um, and and that there, there's it's a scattered shot attack against who and what America was and our founding fathers and the geniusness that they had, the safety valves, the electoral college safety valve to keep one or two states. You know, I mean, forget about Rhode Island, forget about Delaware. You're never going to have a a pick in who is the leader of our nation if we do away with a second safety valve, the electoral college. We look at these people, we think they were just guys with big lamb chops, sideburns. If we were in the same room with them, them, we would be shutting up and we'd be listening to them. Thank God for our nation's heritage, which show, by the way, is trying to be torn down. Those who choose to forget history will be condemned to relive it. You know, what's interesting is the evidence. And you and I, you and I are both evangelical voters. We both see the same way. I, 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 we both believe that the founding fathers of this nation were touched by God. To, to, and this country's was the founding of this country was an event in history created by God. I believe that, okay, and I think you do do as, as well. And I think the evidence of that to our listeners today, our listeners that are tuning into this show today, either by podcast or however you're listening, the evidence that God has had his hand on this is the Electoral College. This is a concept that was nowhere in this country, anywhere in the world, that was just a the theory, if you will, that, that came up, it was a discussion idea that came up in the founding of the documents, and the founding of the Constitution and whatnot. When they drew up this country, they drew up the Electoral College with it. That's evidence to me because God can direct conversations. God can direct the activities of our leaders, and the, he does it all the time. I mean, you know, and I believe the Electoral College is, is part of that. I, I don't want to miss that. That's how we know it's God touched because we have the Electoral College, which makes it. I mean, the only countries in the world, all countries in the world that had any elections at the time, there weren't very many at the time, but any of them that had them was all popular vote. And we didn't go that route. So anyway, I want to point out in the, in the, in the last five minutes here, I want to point out the Justice Act, which is Donald Trump's answer to law enforcement improvements. And I want to make sure we're on this because the Democrats, of course, are against this. And I want to talk a little bit about it. So you have the Justice Act. Now, this this is an executive order by Trump. 
It's going to make further improvements, okay, to law enforcement. <clears throat> it's going to it's going to beef up requirements for law enforcement to compile use of force reports. Now, just to sum on that for one second, I'm going to spend a second on that. The reports that that the that the police officers have to fill out whenever they they shoot their gun and stuff like that. But now he wants to expand that and beef up requirements for law enforcement to compile these types of reports whenever they have to use any kind of restraint against anybody. That might be any arrest, but it, I mean, obviously they want to beef up those requirements. They want more information, okay? Because that way they can track things like the no the, the no knock warrants and things like that. <clears throat> but it can. But what it does is it creates a record that can be reviewed. So when you have a problem officer, like I believe the guy up in Minneapolis had a little bit of a history, uh, you know, and maybe the guy in Atlanta, I thought, too, what, one of those was one of those guys I thought had a history. But whatever, it's it's in the record. And then they can better scrutinize the, the law enforcement police officer, if you will, and their use of force. Because the art of de-escalation is taught to the police officer. In other words, if, if Kurt and I were two police officers and we went up to a scene and we were called to a scene like, oh, like in Atlanta, the guys were called out to the fellow there in the drive-thru who fell asleep in his car. Well, obviously, we're going to get him out of the car. We're going to do a sobriety test on him and so forth. Once we find out that that guy is, is intoxicated under the influence of something, once we know this, Kurt and I, through training and through understanding, are going to try to get this guy. Now, of course, if he's bigger than we are, okay, and, he, and, the, and this guy was bigger than both of those cops, if he's bigger than we are, we're probably going to call some backup in or take some evasive action because we know we're going to have to arrest this guy. So maybe we call the backup. I don't know. Certainly, we might ask this guy to sit down on the sidewalk. Okay, whatever. But... Through training, we're going to be able to subdue this person with as minimum force as possible. And that's training. When you have to get into a situation where you're where you're fighting somebody and you can't take somebody down, a lot of that is the result of a lack of training. I mean, Kurt, this is what he's looking at here, but he's also looking at possibly looking to encourage different types of restraints to be used. Not to say he wants to outlaw any restraints. But he wants to basically say, look, be better trained on how to subdue a, a suspect that you're trying to arrest. And again, look to de-escalate, do a better job with that in the training. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, uh, not do anything to qualified immunity. The Democrats want to eliminate qualified immunity, which basically makes makes it so any police officer can be sued or even arrested without any immunity. Okay. Uh, Kurt, what are your thoughts on this to wrap the show up? we got about two minutes to go here. What are your thoughts on Trump's attempts to uh, reform the, the justice system, if you will, the police system, and how the Democrats seem to be poo-pooing it? Well, I think he wants to make America great, keep America great. He wants to spend and invest in training and better performance, and the other one, the other side just wants to throw it out. You know, there's a couple of ways for you and I to have the tallest city in the building, uh, t- tallest building in the city, I should say it backwards, uh, and that is we can buy that building and we can tear everybody down and say, look at me, I'm the tallest building, or we could build everybody out, the real estate value increases around us, and suddenly our building's worth twice what we paid for it. 
in the end, President Trump wants to keep America great, make America great, and he's willing to invest in our assets. Thank God for the men and women in blue uh, and all the volunteers. Uh, you just can't get rid of it. And you don't want to even talk about what about uh, those who resist arrest? You know, we forgot you have to respect the law because we didn't have to respect our teachers. We got away with anything. You know, newsflash, Clay, if you play close to the fire, you're going to get burned. You know, and the problem is we've just come used to it. We're just walking through the fire all the time. No, no, no. Get out of the fire. Uh, if someone calls you, you pull over and you and, and you respect the law. We've lost that. Well, we have. Well, folks, we're out of time. I want to thank Mr. Kurt Smith for being with us today. Thank you, Kurt, for taking the time with our listeners to unpack all of this that we got into. Uh, thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you tuning in this morning. Tune in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this distinct, compelling discussion. Some of our audience listens to us live just in the listening area. They tune us in. Others go to the podcast that are up immediately following the show. Others go to the website, 11awfyl.com, uh, or they actually go to the YouTube and search 11awfyl.com, 11awfyl on YouTube, and they each operate, each system has a listen live option. And uh, But however you choose to listen to us, we appreciate it. It's why we are here. Thanks to all of our listeners. See you next week on The Point. For Kurt Smith, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.